Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Nick, and I too enjoy looking at pictures of puppies when stressed. Uh, I'm Kyle, and I got a pull-out couch. And I'm Brent, and I got a new bike. And this is If I May, episode 9. Let's go. That was a good intro, Nick. Kyle, did can good you start there. us off with a... Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Kyle, can you start us off with a uh, life update today? Yeah, a little uh, shorter one, but uh, got a pull-out couch for the living room. Before Previously, we had the uh, armchair and two camping chairs. So we've now upgraded to actual cushions. So that's always nice. And then, uh, yeah, uh, this we're recording one day earlier than normal this week because I'm going to be heading to New York for a business trip for uh, Tuesday through likely Saturday morning. We'll see how well it goes. But uh, that should be exciting. Going to go work on some trains. So that's kind of cool. Have you been to this... Uh... This business trip historically is it an annual thing or first no? Time this attending? is this is new for me. Apparently, the the guy that's currently kind of like the head of the project uh, has been to New York eight times in the last like two months, and so uh, this is my first time out there with him. And it sounds like the project's going to be slowly offloaded down to me being the lead. So uh, kind of heading out there to help with a uh, 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 one of our product fit ups on one of the trains to make sure it fits how it should, uh, installs and works and whatnot. And then uh, obviously meet the customer, say hi, that kind of thing. So it was kind of interesting, though, because the uh, the guy that is currently kind of head of project, he's like, don't bring any nice clothes. And you have to go to Walmart and buy steel toe boots that cover your ankles. Uh, he's I, like, I'm literally like, should I bring something semi nice for a dinner just in case? He's like, nope, like grab crap clothes because you're going to get messy. I'm like, OK, I still packed a polo and some you know nice khakis just in case, but. That was, that, was, that was a new one. We don't typically have that kind of thing in the engineering world, but I guess the whole train yard thing makes sense. Uh, the other little update yeah. I have is this last weekend, we went to a place called Elrich Gardens here in uh, Denver. And so that was kind of exciting. It was a little bit uh, in between, like it was it was lower than a Six Flags, but definitely better than like a standard carnival you might go to. I had like a water park as half of it and then like a amusement park kind of thing as the other half. And, uh, oh, I was thinking it was it was like plants, like a, a nice garden park right? or something. You're, t- you're saying it's a, an amusement park? Yeah, it's an amusement park. park. Yeah, and Brent, I think you said you actually were there once before, but <clears throat> it, it's interesting because it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like halfway in between both. It's got like a couple of roller coasters that are almost big enough to be like intense roller coasters. And then I think the water park side of it's probably a little better, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. And they, they had this weird tagline. It was like, uh, Elridge Gardens, uh, uh, something not to see in Denver. Like, I don't, it's like, what? I don't get it. <laughs> no, I, I find that if it's has roller coasters and water parks uh, in a water park and it's the same time and they kind of open the same part, like it wasn't like a Six Flags where the roller coasters came first and then they added a water park. Um, if it's like they open them together as a duel, it's water parks are almost always better. I think it's just easier to make more exciting water slides um, than it is to make good roller coasters small, like a smaller so roller this, coaster. This isn't worthy of an if I may interruption, but it is a totally separate tangent. Before you said it was an amusement park, I was like thinking Elrich Gardens, and I had a question, which again turned out to be completely irrelevant. But since we have Brent here, I can ask this question: uh, If it were a garden, it, what what's the the difference between plant life that would be in a standard Midwest area that we're more commonly used to uh, compared to the higher elevations. Um, I, I would think 
uh, I, I think I, I know as you go further north, you know, pine trees become more prevalent. But is is there a difference in the vegetation, uh, and what would that difference be if there's a primary one or two um, from the standard Midwest plant life to a you know higher elevation location? If, if I may, now? I'll throw in my two cents before Brent obviously has way more knowledge about this kind of thing. But Denver mm, slash Boulder Boulder area is actually technically a plain, like it's still in kind of like the plain category, so it's like almost a desert. So it's kind of interesting because, you know, driving around, you see there's not a lot of vegetation. There's there's legit tumbleweeds. That was kind of exciting. Got to see a tumbleweed go across the road. And I was like, oh, I've seen those in movies and there's there's a real life one. But uh, if I may, there were there were tumbleweeds, tumbleweeds, excuse me, in uh, in Nina that came through the, uh, <laughs> the foundry that came off the train. There would oh, legitimately really? be tumbleweeds that had got caught on the train somehow and would end <laughs> up in in. The middle of Wisconsin, hilarious. That's, That's awesome. I was I was literally told that they're one of the worst weeds, and that it like you literally should like if you ever walk to a because there's a couple places to eat around where we work. And then one of the uh, guys that's been there for a little bit, he's like, yeah, whenever I walk to one of the places to eat, I always try to pull one or two as I go because apparently they're just really bad weeds in general. But yeah, and then trees in general are a lot shorter and more spread out. A lot of the trees you see in the Denver slash Boulder area are all uh, human planted for aesthetic purposes. Yeah, I I would throw out um, for what I've noticed is that generally out west, it's more arid. So you'll see more stuff like cactuses and more of a desert type plants. Um, when you get out to kind of some of the mountains where the rain gets trapped a little bit, um, or even in Seattle where it's, it's a little bit more wet on average, uh, the vegetation is actually pretty similar to what you might find in the Midwest in, in Wisconsin, at least. Um, so there's like, there's been a lot of stuff that I've been like, Oh, I recognize that like blackberries and um, other kind of like the trees, maples and stuff like that are still around. Um, there's kind of some variations on the species. Like maybe it's a, a maple. Um, I'm trying to think like a, some kind of pine tree that here might be a different species than what you'd find. But generally you look at them and like, Oh, this kind of looks the same. And uh, when you get up into the mountains a little bit more, especially you go up the elevation, um, I find that there's more kind of like moss and bigger ferns. Like the thing that I find that are noticeable is I, I go on these hikes and it's like, wow, some of these like little bit wetter pockets in the mountains have these giant ferns. You feel like you're in Jurassic Park almost, um, which you're not, hopefully. Dun, 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 oh, dun, with, dun. with a desert type area where, where you're at, as you're describing, uh, with that elevation, I'm assuming it's a little bit cooler, but do you still have uh, snakes in that area? Oh, yeah. Um, the the desert area is more out into the eastern part of Seattle because there's um, the Cascades and the Olympic Mountains, which kind of trap a lot of the rain. That's why Seattle gets so much continuous rain is that we're kind of surrounded by mountains, so it all kind of funnels in. But are um, snakes impacted by elevation? No, no. Uh, the only places I've seen snakes on any of my hikes or like anywhere in the city has been on my hikes in the mountains. Uh, generally, like kind of the garter grass type snake, nothing too uh, like rattlesnakey. I think that would be probably more closer to where Kyle is in that area. If I may, let's uh, let's circle back to the initial topic. Thank you for that tangent. I, I do appreciate uh, Kyle, what, what was your favorite ride? Actually, there was this one that was like a, it was, so the water rides were definitely the better ones. However, the lines were ridiculous. So we only got on like two of them. 
uh, besides the wave pool, which everybody loves a wave pool. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, as far as roller coasters, there's this one called a half pipe and it literally looked like a skateboard on like a U, but then there was like two sections where you're, okay, so imagine a giant skateboard and where your feet would go, there was like a circle pod of seats facing outwards. Like, so there's two of them, one by where each foot would be. And there's about six to eight people like uh, around that facing outwards, similar to like a giant drop kind of deal. And then it would go up and down the half pipe, but then where the two feet are, where you're sitting would also spin and it wouldn't spin fast. It was definitely, I don't know if it was actually controlled by the operator or like the ride itself, or if it was literally just like, uh, the weight of the people flinging it around like a tilt a whirl, tilt a whirl kind of deal. But yeah, that was, Mm -hmm. that was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. The worst one there was actually the biggest coaster there. It was this red one. It was like mind eraser or something like that. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure one at some point in time, it was a really good ride but it just shook the crap out of you. Like uh, my wife and I came off, both came off that ride. Like, ow, like not going on that ever again. It would, yeah, it was, that one was not fun, but if, the rest of the I rides may, there was, were all super was fun. Your mind, if I may, was, was your mind, uh, my mind erased. was indeed erased. I even brought that up. I'm like, why do we even go on this ride? If it's just going to erase our minds, like there's no point. <laughs> Looking at the pictures of them, it looks kind of like, the old Iron Wolf, those ones where you pull it over your thing, you're kind of standing, uh, or in this case, you're dangling. But it just those things just shake so much back and forth. It, it was it was a similar setup as uh, Batman in uh, Six Flags of Great America, mm-hmm. like that that kind of ride style. And it sounded super smooth, but just the moment you got on it, it just shook the crap out of you, like your whole body, not just like your head. It just it it was painful. After the very first, like the first drop was good and the first loop was pretty good. After that, I was over it. The rest of the ride was just like, is this done yet? The the free spinning kind of reminds me of like a amusement park or like a carnival ride. I think some of the best ones yeah. that I've ever been on. Those ones where you're like, you're spinning around all the time, but then putting it on a roller coaster. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Six Flags like this year put in a roller coaster that's like that where you just... Oh, they, I know. Well, well, last year, I think it was last year they did the Joker, but that's like end over end. So, mm. like, I don't know. This one was more of like a, a you're everybody's By facing outwards, and I I, th- I was kind of worried about like, oh, this looks like the kind of ride that might make you sick. But no, it was actually very enjoyable. It was it was halfway between a swinging ship, which I don't know if anybody knows, but the swinging ship is the most underrated ride at any place. Oh, love as, that! Ride. Assuming you get the ends, so you need like <laughs> I, ideally you need a good eight people and you fill up four people on one side, four people on the other side on the very ends. And whenever you're on the top, you just scream at each other. It's the most fun ever because number one, it's actually a better ride than you expect, especially if you like use your legs to lift yourself off the seat a little bit when you're at the top. And then number two, everybody around you just thinks you're completely ridiculous because you're screaming at each other. That That's one of the most fun things ever. <laughs> Speaking very of fun cool. things. Uh, so today was, at least part of today was Amazon Prime Day, uh, but there was uh, some issues. Yes, yeah, go ahead. That alludes to my earlier comment where, uh, yes, I enjoy looking at pictures of puppies when I'm overly stressed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the best. Tried to log on to uh, Amazon during the the kickoff of their Prime Day event, which was scheduled for 3 p.m. Eastern time, uh, two o'clock where I'm at, and you know 
respectively later where you guys are, are yes later earlier 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 I was earlier, one and Brent you. was noon uh, respectively earlier where you guys are at um, but if you were able to log on in the first roughly hour I'm gonna guess it was more than that um, it was it was it longer oh, yeah. I, I stopped oh, yeah. I, stopped I got home on. and it was still having <clears throat> issues four hours later okay so um, Amazon's site crashed after all their advertising and everything and all the hype being put into this Prime Day and all the deals. Um, as soon as it, you know, was supposed to go live, it, it crashed. And uh, if you tried to get onto the main website, it took you to a page that said, you know, shop Prime Day deals. And you would click on that and one of two things would happen. Either it would give you an error screen where it showed you a lovely picture of one of the quote unquote Amazon dogs. And then yeah. you could follow that link <laughs> to go how Amazon has all kinds of dogs and they started out with one on day one and now they have several, you know, dogs quote unquote working at Amazon or involved with the program or there's, there's something with their culture. I stopped reading because obviously I wanted to go find the deals like most people. Um, so that was path number one. It just straight up aired out and showed you a picture of a puppy. Uh, error number two was that it would take you to a separate page that's listed out, you know, what kind of deals they had, you know, on electronics or beauty or this or that. And you would think, okay, I'm, I'm moving along and you click on any of the categories didn't matter what and it would then either again error out to a adorable puppy different one typically i, I never saw the same puppy twice um which was nice. <laughs> i saw then, oh i saw him i saw, him I saw him multiple times i was spamming f5 i saw thomas twice okay you, you must have tried harder than i did <laughs> you saw thomas but, they uh, had names i didn't even notice that yeah, oh, yeah they, I, they all have names. i saw thomas twice oh i should have i should have yeah. paid more attention but uh if it didn't take you to a dog it just took you back to the main entrance page and i had to cringe a little bit because yeah the the facts on this are that amazon earns like per minute hundreds of thousands if not even a couple million dollars uh, especially you know moment one of prime day you've been advertising i think they spent like three four million on advertising something crazy and um, all these deals uh, were were you know hyped up to be huge, and people logged on to try to get in and take advantage. and And you have to wonder what was their IT thinking. I mean, because you know this event is is huge, and you're trying to scale it up to be you know this is the equivalent or even better than Black Friday, and to to come up short is is embarrassing on a lot of fronts. And uh, the the lost revenue, I, I think the fact or the the, the I don't have the effect per se. Uh, the, the number I had seen thrown around basically said that Amazon had generated a prime day uh, last year. They had generated a billion dollars of revenue. And you break that out to a per minute cost or per hour cost. And you're talking tens of millions of dollars uh, of lost revenue. And now, of course, uh, a normal sane person or a standard Amazon customer such as myself, and I know, Kyle, you use Amazon a lot. Brent, I believe you do too. But um, a standard customer is just going to wait it out and know Prime Day is, is theoretically going to be a long day. And if the company is you know, what we all hope they are, I'm sure they'll just extend it if they have you know continued er errors with um with their ability to stay up and running. Um, if they don't extend it, I'd be a little disappointed, but it doesn't really matter for me personally. But you're, you're looking at the lost revenue of, of how, much, how much time they're down. And if they were really down entirely for their deals uh, from the kickoff of 3 p.m. Eastern time, well through like 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. or whatever that equivalent would be for 
you getting home, Kyle. I mean, you're you're talking hours of of lost revenue, and, and that's that's inexcusable from from a, a company standpoint. So, uh, getting out of the business aspect and more into the the personal aspects, um, I, I'm excited to to look at all the deals and see what's going on. Um, most of the the items that we've we've seen are very high high priced high ticket items that are I, I think what I was excited about was Nintendo Switch had a, had a pretty good deal we were talking about earlier and I think Kyle you looked into the the facts of that deal and I'm I don't have a switch currently I know you do so you were saying it was a pretty solid deal if you want to jump in on yeah on it's not that. too bad so yeah for the switch deal it was like 300 bucks or 299 whatever it's a standard price of a switch however it also comes with a micro SD card 64 gigabytes and a $20 credit towards their store. So the the $60 the 64 gigabyte SD card is you need the extra storage on the Switch especially if you get any AAA title. I think FIFA takes up like 15 gigabytes on its own. So if you're getting any sort of nice. downloadable games, uh you definitely need to grab external storage for the thing cuz it only has 32 gigabytes internally. Uh but the uh so the deal's pretty good. Uh, the, the micro SD card, uh, it, it says that its standard price is like 40 some bucks. It, it's a Nintendo Switch branded you one. You can so probably that's, get it a little cheaper. Yeah, it's definitely an overpriced one because it's Switch branded. Uh, so I would value that right. at maybe 30 bucks max and then the $20 is a store credit. So you're, uh, you're basically getting about 50 bucks off. But that being said, yeah. you're going to have to go out and buy a game in order to do anything on it. So either A, you're buying an indie game or two off the e-store with a 20 bucks or you're spending another 40 to 60 bucks on a, on a higher end game for the switch. So yes, yeah, so I mean, deal, it's a pretty good deal, but you're still spending more than that 300 bucks. If you want to get going, plus you probably want to get a case for it, screen protector, you know, that kind of thing too. Yeah. So just throw on my kind of Amazon experience. Um, I was pretty excited during lunch. Cause I heard that it was starting right over lunch experience was super confused. And honestly, I think one thing they could have clarified better was this is a problem that's site-wide because I'm on mobile, so I'm on my phone looking and thinking, is Amazon Prime Day just for computers or is it not for mobile? And it, they never explained anything about it being down or not. Brent, was Eventually, this your first Prime Day? Up. Yeah, this is my first Prime Day. Uh, yeah, so see, I'm, that's uh, not a good experience. The other thing is that from a technical standpoint, Amazon's actually, you know, because it's such a huge company, it actually owns a ton of servers to host other people's websites and services. So I'm wondering how much other sites might have been affected by Amazon having yeah, issues. What, what were the potential ripple effects? And, and with that, why couldn't Amazon <clears throat> uh, steal some bandwidth from those other servers to support their own website during that time? Because they, they obviously own all these servers. I guess I'm, I'm not sure what the business issue was, the technical issue behind it. I'm sure they'll do something. I know there's already people online petitioning that they want to cancel their Amazon memberships and whatnot. And I'm not going to go that ridiculous. First of all, the prime. And that deals, was, yeah, the prime. If deals, I may, that was something I wanted to touch on. I mean, I was reading the same things where, yeah, people are on Twitter and all their, you know, um, you know, social media trying to jump all over the company and say this is the worst thing ever, or can't believe they would do this, or we're not going to play a, pay for a membership. And I, I think people are, are are overreacting. Talk about first world problems. Take right. a deep breath and and wait. It's it's going to be a day and a half long. You know they're going to fix it. Now, yes, it is embarrassing and they need to fix it. But everyone all of a sudden becomes the CEO of a selling company who was deeply hurt by you know the loss of revenue or something. It's like chill out, relax, if I, take a deep breath. If I may, I think too one thing to remember is it is a day and a half sale. It's not like 
this first hour of it being gone, it's still all tomorrow, basically, which I think kind of was a marketing, in my opinion, something marketing. I think like prime day, I was thinking you wake up from 12, like from midnight to midnight or whatever, the whole day is just prime day and that's that. But instead of, you know, reading about it, it's like, well, it starts on the 16th and it goes to the 17th. So it's like, is it prime week or prime day? So I think, um, so, yeah, I think something they did better last year is they kind of showed you a little bit more. I guess I couldn't find anything as far as what the deals are going to be. Kind of like like Black Friday. You always like get all the ads and whatnot. It's like, oh, this is going to be here and this deal is going to be here. Amazon's kind of keeping it secret a little bit, it seems. So you have to keep on coming back. Last year, it seemed like they kind of showed a little bit more of, hey, this deal is going to be available at this time. This deal is going to be yeah, available at this time. And I think that helps spread out the, the load. The that's site. the balance between keeping the hype of, oh, what's it going to be? There's going to be all these great deals. I need I need to be regularly on the site watching for it versus knowing that, oh, okay, wow, you're, you're going to sell TVs at this price, um, which kind of leads me into what I was looking for. I was, I was looking for TVs, and, and the best deal I found uh, was the one where they listed a 50 or 55-inch Toshiba, I believe was the brand. Uh, smart TV, which looked pretty solid, but it had Amazon's uh, Fire TV uh, software built into the TV. Um, oh. So instead of having the, the Fire Stick or the Cube or whatever, uh, the software was built directly into the TV, and uh, it would it would work like that. So I know that was a a hot selling item. I believe that already sold out, but um, there were there were a number of options, and uh, I, I compared on Walmart and uh, Amazon, and you know because. A lot of it was it was interesting. The other other thing I ended up discussing with some of my coworkers who were asking me about Prime Day because I had you know shared with a few people I was excited for it coming. And you podcast um, about it, and clearly I podcast about it, and they should all be listening. Um, not really, <laughs> they want to, they can, uh, but that's almost weird working with them. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, uh, I was sharing with them um, a little bit about what I had been reading because I had been on you know Business Insider and USA Today and all the other, you know, lovely little sites that I, I enjoy reading that talk about, you know, the business aspect of things. And um, having a little bit of experience in retail from when I was with uh, Gander Mountain before they went bankrupt, uh, I, I know what it takes to to bankrupt an organization or to drive a retailer into into the ground. And right now you were experiencing something that's, that's you know, referred to as the retail apocalypse because America is, is over-retailed. There are too many retail options in stores and um, the thing, the discussion I was having with some of my coworkers is the, the market, the market will correct itself. Uh, if, if you as a company are not willing to meet the market's demands and, and another seller is able to, and still make money, um, th they will, and you will lose because the customers will always choose. And specifically Gander Mountain sold, you know, all kinds of products like Under Armour, like North Face, anything you can find that are in all kinds of other stores as well as their own individual. I mean, Under Armour has their own stores where they sell exclusively Under Armour, but Under Armour's also in your Targets, your Walmart, your, uh, I guess, I don't know if they're... Well, so, thing, so yeah. if I may, Amazon with their Prime Day is almost... It seems like they're trying to combat all that and, and get with the market and get a bigger share in that if you look at a lot of their deals, everything on the top of their deals is... Hey, go get this Amazon Echo. Get this Amazon Fire Stick. Get this Amazon little thing that shows oh, it's, the weather. It's a power play. Absolutely. They're trying to, they're, or the TV even that you're mentioning. It's like it comes loaded with Amazon again. So basically, it looks like they're trying to set themselves up where everything you rely on, kind of like what Apple 
was very successful in doing as well, uh, yep. having everything connected to that. That's what Amazon is doing. And the sale, in my opinion, when I was looking, I was like, I'm not really finding good deals on stuff that that's I'm not interested Amazon. In. I'm interested. In, like, I'm finding good deals on Amazon stuff because that's what they want me to buy. And that that kind of turned me off from it. Um, they are prices of the year for Amazon related items. Even Black Friday, uh, I think there was a ten dollar difference uh, on items that were listed for Black Friday. Uh, the point, though, if if I may, the point I was making earlier is uh, companies like Walmart uh, were choosing not to price match um, everything on for for Prime Day. Now, I think for most of the items, they, they were price matching, and that's their standard policy. But it was interesting where some CEOs or marketing execs or whoever was the person that the press talked to, were, were these, these leaders of these organizations were telling the press and essentially the market that they will not price match Amazon uh, for for their prime day deals and the excuse that they used was oh well not everyone can can buy these deals you have to pay for the subscription and therefore uh we will not price match uh their their costs it's kind of like a sam's club you yep. you get mm-hmm. super low prices mm-hmm. but you're paying a subscription and and they were and a lot copying of times you out have to buy saying, bigger volumes for sam's club too they were saying we will not price match and i thought that was really interesting because um, yes, the subscription is a factor, but ultimately it comes down to, here's my hippie moment, it comes down to corporate greed, but no, it, it's, it's, it's about margin. It's all about how much money, all of us. it's about how much money you can make when you sell a product and someone somewhere in their organization made the decision that the margin is not high enough when they, when they price match for an event like this. Now, I think that's a mistake uh, for a limited time event. Um, that's, that's my personal opinion. But it was it was interesting to discuss that and walk through the mistakes I, I know of a prior you know again one of my prior employers where um, I had talked to someone who who shopped at Gander historically and you know said it was a great store and I thought the same way they they had a lot of really cool stuff but that was the great store it wasn't their prices you didn't you never bought anything there because they were twenty thirty dollars higher than the market consistently and of course they went out of business in epic fashion it was uh, if I can overstep on on my personal opinion and not facts. Uh, for the record, um, it, the CEO of, of Gander, before I got there, single-handedly drove what I will call an iconic brand and organization into the ground because he, she, uh, I don't, I'm not going to try and name names. You can look it up. I don't know if it's public record or not. He, she uh, decided not to give on margin. A- and I learned enough about their accounting and their financial analysis to say, okay, well, if this was accurate, how did you not see this coming? Well, it's because he, she ignored the forecast, said they were wrong and, and that things would sell. And then he, he, she would not give on margin, um, which is how much you make. So Gander was consistently higher priced than the market for a number of years. And um, I don't care how brand loyal you are. If, if a sweatshirt for Under Armour costs the same at Gander Mountain and, and it's $10 less everywhere else, you're going to buy it somewhere else unless you're an oh, idiot. Yeah. I mean, oh, easily. It's yeah, you want to buy cheaper stuff. The market will correct itself. So it was interesting to watch. I don't own stocks in in retailers or stocks, period, really. But it it would be a huge red flag for me if I see an organization not willing to match pricing on one day a year. Now, if margin drops for that little bit of the year, okay. But you're 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 not seeing the bigger game. To your earlier point, that that Amazon is pulling the same thing Apple did. 
you get the Amazon Echo, you get the Amazon Fire TV, you get the Amazon this, that, and everything. And all of a sudden, Amazon all your purchases is in your are house. funneled through them. Everything, everything is Amazon. At just click like of a button. Previously, everything was Apple. If you had an Apple Mac, you needed an Apple converter for everything. You needed to buy Apple products. Um, if you don't see that and you're not capable of reacting to that, you're losing. You're losing in epic fashion. And the worst part is you probably don't even know. Um, but that's my business spin. And, and that that's mixed. You know, I get super interested about that stuff. So, so uh, if, let's I may, if I may, speaking well, of losing, speak about, speaking of losing, oh. Brent lost some money today in exchange for a bike. I heard. Oh, I was even going to talk about, you know, this business thing and buying things. It's uh, it was interesting. It's Prime Day going on. And instead, I decided to go Craigslist because why not buy used? Um, I kind of like doing that. It's a little cheaper. And um, I, don't, I don't know if I may. I don't know if the deals from Prime Day carry over to Craigslist. How'd, how'd that work out? Did they price it, didn't. it didn't at all. But I found better deals on Craigslist, I guess. Um, I had to drive like half hour both ways for it. But that's yeah, worth it. Um, and it, it was nice because we moved to Seattle. We brought one bike. The bike that Heather had before um, back in Madison was absolute crap. So we just kind of left it there on the curb. And it's probably <laughs> still at that very same spot because um, I doubt anyone took it. It was one of those bikes that you would drive up to the, the bike rack. You could leave it there, not lock it. And it doesn't it matter how long time. you wait, it's always going to be there for you. When, no one's going to take it. When, short story. When I was uh, first became an RA my uh, junior year of college, I had my junior, senior, and then super senior year as a resident assistant. Uh, my first year as, a, as an RA, I bought a bike. Courtesy my grandma. Shout out, grandma. Thank you. Uh, but uh, I bought a cheaper bike at Walmart, and it kind of fell apart my first year. I fixed it up a little bit, but like literally the pedals were like falling off the thing. I ended up like leaving it at the dorm over... The, after my first year, I just left it in the bike rack because they said all the remaining bikes would just be given to Goodwill or whatever. Three years later, when I graduate, they're like, oh, yeah, we have your bike. Do you want it back? I was like, I, I didn't <laughs> think this still existed. Jesus. It, apparently, they, they kept it in a spot in the bike room for me, like sheltered from the weather for three years without me knowing. Do you still have that bike? No. <laughs> no. I was like, no, no, some student can have it. It's fine. <laughs> Someone in need. Yeah. Desperate. Desperate. Uh, no. So I got this I got this bike. Um and it was actually kind of nice. Uh on Kyle's recommendation. He said get Trek and conveniently there was a Trek bike. I was like, yeah, okay. And try it out. It's you know, it's used, but it's very nice. And um bring it home and it's actually the upgraded model of my current bike that like the bike that I had before that now my my wife will use but oh, so it's so you like a better oh, bike? actually really nice yeah yeah because um <laughs> i'll actually commute to work um and she can walk oh okay <laughs> okay. so you get the bike no, no, and she no. has to walk no no i'm not gonna <laughs> it's it's i i work probably like four miles away and she she works very close so it's not it doesn't it's not that bad i okay. promise <laughs> i'm not that horrible of a human um, and actually, the days that I'll be biking mostly are the days that she'll get the car. So, um, if that's it's good, but it's actually it's nice. Uh, there's a bike path that goes pretty much from uh, our apartment to the zoo that I work at. So it's a really nice commute. It's really enjoyable. Um, I'm hoping this new bike will help 
I have a problem when I like go on a bike or any like skiing or any sort of thing like that. I get kind of competitive. I don't know why I shouldn't, but I'll be going and I'll be biking and I can bike with the best of them, except for there's these people with these nice road bikes that are wearing these biking jerseys, have the cushioned padded pants and they're flying through and they fly past me without even trying. And it's just oh, it's so frustrating. And I'm pedaling my butt off just like, are you sure they're not just better just, bicyclers than you? I think they had better bikes. So I'm hoping that this new bike <laughs> uh, proves I'm not a crappy biker and it's actually the bike that makes a difference. So I think this new bike is going to be able to compete a little bit better. Not that I should compete while commuting because it's not a competition. It's like not a race. If if I may, uh, when I first started uh, hanging out with Megan and her friends who compete in uh, triathlons, Ironmans, uh, all of those uh, super high intensity uh, workouts, and and certainly they involve bicycles, the, the first thing I learned is I knew nothing about bikes. Uh, the second thing I learned was if it's a brand name I recognize, um, it's probably not the best bike in the world. Uh, the, oh, brands, the brands that they used, um, I had never heard of. Um, and the, and I, I thought growing up, my dad and my mother had really, really nice bikes. Uh, they had invested in a pair of bikes that you know matched. It was really cute. Uh, but I grew up riding <laughs> those bikes. And they were super light and, you know, had the really thin tires and, you know, I zoomed around on those all the time. But uh, there's just this whole separate level of, of bikes and how light they can be and, and what they're meant for. And it's, um, it's, it's crazy. I think Megan, Megan owns a mountain bike, two mountain bikes, a road bike. And I want to say there, there might be one more. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but um how how complicated and how detailed these bikes get and how technical they are for for what your purpose is um you know those guys if if they're wearing the jerseys if they're wearing all the gear and they're flying by by you uh, i will i will bet you anything the bike they're riding is an 800 dollars plus bike um which oh and uh, that's that's is exactly well what i realized you look as well beyond a normal person's needs and or even desire. Yeah, yeah. And we went to used bike store actually even just a day to kind of price and look out some bikes. And all the used bikes were eight hundred bucks, nine hundred, a thousand plus, and they were used. They were in good condition, but it's just like, well, I can't imagine what the really good road bikes actually go for. And I know that people use those, but yeah, you know, it's I don't know. It's actually it's it's, one thing too. I went for was a hybrid just for a little bit more comfort too. If you're commuting, you know, the seat kind of does matter. And if I'm not racing on the road anyway, so it's kind of, you don't want to have to wear one of those between short things. No, I don't. I don't. And if I really find that I love biking, maybe I'll invest in that next step and get a road bike for like an actual racing road bike. But for now, it's just like, it's nice to have a couple of bikes Instead of having just one. So if, you know, Heather and I want to go on a bike ride, we're able to do that, which I think is going to be so nice to do. If I may, it's kind of funny that you, we brought up this whole bike thing and the evolution of bikes because actually uh, recently there was a guy who tried to uh, break the world record for the most the longest distance covered on one of those, I forgot what they're called, the, the old school bikes where they have the huge wheel in the front and the small wheel in the back. Oh my gosh. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like the French ones. 
uh, I guess I'm not sure where they're initially made. But I think you like, know what I'm talking about. They're, they're, they're the massive yeah. ones in the front where you pedal in the front and you're, you're steering the front wheel as well. And it's got the itty bitty wheel in the back. You literally have to like basically climb up a ladder to get onto the things. So this guy's trying to break the record for the longest distance traveled on one of these bikes in one hour. And uh, he didn't quite make it, but he did break the, I think the British world re- or the British record, which was last set in like 1890 something. So, and he was like 28 seconds off of the world record pace, which was set long, long ago. So it's like the oldest standing bicycle record. So that was kind of funny that, and then they've also like tricked out these bikes. Apparently the day he tried it, it was super windy. And so it was definitely not ideal at all, but uh, they they tricked out these bikes where they have like the optimal pedaling distance because the shorter you pedal, the faster the, the bigger, better, essentially the better your gear ratio is to the big wheel to make you go faster, but then it's also harder to pedal. So, that, you know, you have to find that balance there and there's no gearing, you know, that's all you get is your pedal distance and then how big your front wheel is. So they just tried to break that record, the super old record. And he, he beat the British one, but not the world record. So I thought that was kind of, that makes the world, that makes the world record even more impressive considering that it was that he's doing this ago. new technology and new new gains in science and he's still not able to break the world record and, even and though to be fair, I don't think too many, to be fair, I don't think there's too many people trying to break that world record. Like it's not like something that the top athletes are going for. But not yet. Not yet. But yeah, this guy's been yeah. training he he was training for it for a couple of years or whatever and he was like twenty eight seconds off. That's awesome. That's that's pretty cool. Um, it's a uh, it's amazing what people do when they have too much time in their hands. Um, I know you showed a video about the world sign spinning competition. Yeah, apparently. and I feel like yeah, too much time in your hands. Right. Well, like everybody's seen those, and I think they were huge when they first came out. You know, the people with the you know you know the people the big arrow signs that they're flipping all over the place, and like go to the car wash here, or look at this jewelry store, or whatever it may be. They're just flipping the sign over. I don't know if it's new this year or not, but there's a 2018 World Sign Spinning Competition on YouTube that you can look up if you wish, and it was kind of funny. There's there's some pretty good like, how did you waste your time so long? to get to that point. I wonder how much those guys get paid. Cause like some of those guys are legit skilled. And I guess if all you have to do all day is flip a sign, you probably would get pretty good at it. Oh, I bet. I bet. And it was pretty entertaining watching these tricks. A lot of stuff goes between the legs. Um, yeah. Apparently which... that was a big thing is catching the sign between your legs. Like everybody was like, Oh, whenever that happened. So that must be very difficult. So is there, there's only so much you can just spin a sign. Um, what in your opinion, Kyle, is like the next big thing in sign spinning? Like what's going to be <laughs> the move that sets the world sign spinning competition on its head next year? My what, uh, what's be experience with sign spinning is that one five minute YouTube video. But for my expert opinion there, uh, I would say definitely getting multiple signs going is going to be the uh, next level. Because, uh, you know, a lot of those people are just doing the one sign. But if you can get two of them going... That's for sure what's going to up it for next year. Yeah. Oh, definitely. All right. Um, To touch on another point, um, this isn't quite sign spinning, but I heard, Nick, that you have a new sign in your yard. What? Yes. So uh, actually, we don't have a sign physically, but uh, with the new house, uh, we 
closed on that. That's very exciting. Um, and the, the work has begun. We have, uh, fortunately, a, a large period of time that we have before we're going to move in. Um, and with that time, we've started to look at doing some projects. And um, we're one weekend in, one weekend and a day in, and I feel like I've started 15 or 20 projects and completed two of them uh, so far. Not I've cleaned bad, the gutters. <laughs> I've cleaned the gutters, which was uh, quite the adventure. Um, and, and going up on the roof, uh, and I was by myself at the time, so that was fun. And Not then, a good idea. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the best idea. Of course, uh, when you're cleaning gutters, you've got a hose to try and you know blast everything out. So I'm on a, a wet roof by myself. So that was even worse. Awesome. Uh, Megan was going to come by eventually and save me if I was laying in the lawn dead. So um, that was cool. But uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. But uh, had fun cleaning the gutters and that worked out well. Bit of a messy job as I was laying on the roof of the house, reaching over like a grizzly bear off of a cliff trying to grab honey off of from like a beehive or something i'm laying on the laying on the uh, the roof reaching in the gutters and i'm pulling out this plaque just build up there were trees starting to grow out of the gutters and uh i put a bunch of water you know tried to blast it and it didn't move uh so because it had built up over what i'm guessing was the last five years and i go in there with my gloves and i'm reaching over the edge to to you know dig this stuff up and i'm just throwing it in the yard and it looks like a bunch of cows stopped by my front yard and just started taking dumps just because the black stuff just lands everywhere and I'll have to clean that up later. But uh, finally get to the downspout on the end and I'm looking at it and I'm feeling for it with my fingers and the gloves and I'm trying to push down to try and see how, how bad this issue is. And I, I monkeyed with it for a while and I couldn't get it. So I'm like, okay, Plan B, we're going to take a, take apart the downspout. So I'm sitting on top of the ladder trying to uh, unscrew the downspout, spout, and I'm monkeying with it for about five minutes, and the screw's old and not working nicely. So um, I, I start to hear it slide, and uh, I started just pummeling the, the downspout, trying to shift everything in it, and eventually um, it started to drip, and then I just started you know smashing the downspout with my fist and... Uh, and finally, it, it it you know it went, and I I heard the whole sound of everything just kind of going plop uh, down the spout, and then uh, out the bottom of it came this just pile of you know more black stuff. So <laughs> successfully cleaned out the the gutters. That was a big accomplishment. And then the, one of our front, uh, like the first closet you walk into the house, there's a uh, or first thing you see when you walk into the house is a closet where you would you know put your coat or whatever else, and the the door was uh broken the the track on the very top um it's like an accordion accordion door you know folding door that way um the the track on the top was was bent and i was able to fix that so um those are the only things i fixed and i i mowed the lawn and cleaned up the yard so it looks respectable um today but uh, we're looking at the laundry list of, of projects we have and you have to sit here and um you know I, at what point, what what stops you from, from working on your house? Because not every homeowner is constantly working or doing something with their house. I mean, certainly they spend a lot of time, but I was more just kind of philosophy-wise, like what what stops you from, from improving your house or, or having that mindset? Is it is it money? You run out of money? You can't afford to do these things? Is it 
time. You know, it's just the house is good enough. Um, I, I don't have enough time to, or I, I choose not to to make it a priority. Uh, is it is it along that line? Is this an effort thing, or, or what would what would stop you from constantly looking to improve? Uh, you know, different parts of your house because different types of homeowners have different approaches. You know, there are houses that are well, immaculate, and you know they have decorations everywhere. Or, and there's also houses that may, are frankly a bit I dumpy. May. I think it really comes down to what are you, what are you happy with? If you have a home that's not quite perfect by perfect standards, which I assume are a thing, but at the same time, you are really content living there. It's not like falling down or anything like health hazardly. Like you're probably good, but I think that if there's something like, oh yeah, it's been like this for a while, and this really bugs me. Like my my dresser is not working. Like the knob was falling off and that's not really home, but like eventually it gets to the point where you're just like, can I live with this or can I not live with this? And if you can't live with it, then do something about it. Um, or if you're looking to make like, I can live with this, but if I do this simple thick fix, I can improve the value down the road thinking of the home that you have as, a, as an investment. You know, you want to keep it updated like that, but um you know, I don't know. It's one of those things that I haven't ever thought about because renting, you don't have that problem. Something's wrong, you know, just call the landlord and be like, hey, send someone over. With my and then own. they send someone over and they don't know how to fix the laundry machine because they've never seen that laundry machine before. And then they call someone else who doesn't know how to fix it. And then three weeks later, you just have a broken laundry machine. You know, so if I may, with my right. less than one year of marriage experience, I think I'll uh, oh. talk from the super, ex- like the, from like the older married person perspective where it's like, oh, oh you'll never on. be done until you get divorced because your wife will always want you to redo the kitchen and then redo the <laughs> <laughs> bedroom and then redo. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think it depends. Um, yeah. I think uh, also initial, quick, quick note if I- regarding the the renters situation um i i've i've rented what will be two places now and i now have bought a place in in the twin cities and the the first place i rented was a uh, an apartment complex um where uh, the prior inhabitant was probably somewhere between the ages of 65 and 95 so the, the apartment I got was fine and there were no issues. It was well run, but um, they had just opened it up to younger generations because they had a government contract or something else. That was that was very nice. No complaints. Uh, very quiet. One? The average, the average. No, no, no. That's uh, I'm talking <laughs> about the Twin Cities. That was in oh. St. Paul. My average, my average neighbor's age had to have been 85 um, because uh, of the senior again, living community. The, like the section, section like- something regulation where the building was put up with the stipulation that for x number of years you will serve as as senior living and they had just you know lapsed on on that and um normal renters were now allowed to move in at a, at an increase. Whoa, whoa. Then how did they let you move in if it was What's normal that? renters how did they let you move in if it was normal yeah thanks anyway um when uh i moved out of that apartment i moved in with uh megan in northeast minneapolis and the house we ended up in was was fairly nice it's a little beat up in a few areas 
if I'm getting pretty picky, but apparently the neighbors said that the, the prior inhabitants were renters and they were really loud and they had to call the cops on them all the time. And uh, we were just the golden people for having moved in there and being quiet and responsible adults with jobs, which I guess is, you know, yeah, nice. Nick, for, I would say uh, your, your previous house was like norm. a dream frat house. It was like, it would be like the top of the line frat house. Yeah. So apparently, yeah, they, they beat the crap out of it previously. And uh, I guess I just don't live that life anymore. But now that we uh, bought this house, we we're moving in and we again, talked to the neighbors and this was a college party house. Now it was gutted in a lot of ways. Um, They redid the, the kitchen, they redid uh, the downstairs, new carpeting, uh, the ceiling. They did a poor job on the ceiling, but um, yeah, they re- they redid a lot of it. So we, I didn't see a whole lot of the impacts. But the the outside, all they did was they put a bunch of mulch around the house, so it looks like it's you know somewhat well kept, um, which which is is horrible. And the yard is is just trashed. So um, that's one aspect where I'm having to go clean up in the backyard. There's you know lighters. There's uh, a dog bowl. Dog uh, a dog. Uh, collar just stuff everywhere it's overgrown no one's trimmed the hedges in 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 years so i'm looking at all of this and and i don't know how much if if i ever had the money or or ability to allow someone to rent from me at least in the twin cities my gosh it seems like every house i run into um you know renters are are brutal on these houses and um, yeah, you know, certainly I, I'd like to think I was very respectful. I, I left the place better than I found it. And I've, I'm of the opinion that uh, when I was a renter, if I could take care of it myself, if it's the difference between calling a repairman to, you know, go fix a light bulb or a dryer, I, if I can fix it myself, I'm, I'm going to, mm-hmm. um, if I can't fix it myself, then I can, you know, punt and call somebody. And fortunately I shouldn't have to pay for it, but, um, you know, that's, that's helped me gain some experience and figure some things out, but my gosh, renters can just annihilate a place. And, um, you know, you hear stories about people partying on the roof and, and, and the things they would do. And you, I'm looking at the evidence now because, uh, clearly the, the owners never lived there between when I bought it and the last renters or Megan and I bought it and the last renters were there. So it's, it's interesting to see what's left behind. Even, it's it's interesting. Even the staging company, um, no pun intended, yeah. uh, left the. I can't say why the puns intended, but uh, between the three of us, we're good. But uh, inside joke, joke, we'll take it. Um, the staging company left uh, a few items that were just in the house. Like, okay, yeah, like how sloppily was this done, or how quickly did they make this happen? But um, now I'm gonna have to undo some of the touches that you they got put yourself in. Like a free cock gun. They didn't do the ceiling well. They didn't do, uh, they left behind like a, a bathroom ornaments, like a soap dispenser and like a tissue box that are kind of artsy and match. Like they're very nice. Absolutely. We'll keep them. But um, yeah, the yard has a bunch of other stuff going on. It's like all this mulch. Uh, one of the neighbors informed us. Yeah, that's actually horrible because we have a carpet, uh, carpenter ant carpenter. Can't speak to that oh, carpenter ants. Yeah. Uh, that love that mulch so he's like i'd probably get rid of that if i were you they just threw it over the weeds so it didn't look so bad i'm like yeah well great i gotta get rid of this mulch that's the thing about the yard i think when you're upgrading and talking about always having stuff to work on the yard is one of those like you're constantly gonna have to be doing that because um nature doesn't stop like it just the grass is always gonna keep growing the weeds will always keep coming the trees and the roots are gonna keep expanding 
or they're going to die, which then you have to take care of that problem. And that's, that's like the one thing is like, you're always working on your yard because yeah. it doesn't stop. Yeah. You throw like darn living things growing, year, but then next year it's going to just be right back to the same problem. Um, no, yeah, that's, that's no, probably that one I, thing. I, if I may, I, I firmly disagree. If you take care of it, um, it, it will be less of a problem from year to year. Um, it will be less of so, a problem, but it will still it will still be a slight problem. You'll still have work to do. You'll still have far, to go out far and... less work with proper maintenance. True, true. true. But uh, I, I, despite all my my whining and complaining about everything I'm doing, with very excited to be working on it. There's a laundry list of projects. We have some family coming to uh, assist, and I know they're pretty enthusiastic. There's a, a few more. Uh, uh, what's the word? Practiced hands uh, with respect to some of the technical work. Uh, very much so looking forward to to some guidance and some learning opportunities um, uh, that'll be coming up in the near future. So um, I dis, despite my complaining, very much so looking forward to it, very much very much so happy to be in the position that we're in. Uh, it's just a lot to kind of sit there and as you look at you know what I perceive as a, a massive project it can be easy to let it overwhelm you but we have a bit of we have a plan set aside with the list of projects and we'll we'll continue to plug along and, and figure it out so if i may um i feel like all that work is gonna get you pretty hungry and i know in minneapolis is where i actually kind of first heard of this uh but fusion food that's a thing you could eat that and that could help you feel better i actually this kind of came up if in I my may, mind Brent, because... please what what is fusion food i have no idea so fusion food is where you take two different ethnicities worth of food and you combine them into one to make some kind of new food ah, which is a little okay. bit of one a little bit other um and I, I was thinking about this because uh, a couple weekends ago i tried a new fusion restaurant oh it's an old one for seattle but new for me uh, where it was Indian food with burgers, which very interesting mix of, you know, I think beef and Indian food don't normally go hand in hand, but in this case it did. And it was actually really delicious. So uh, I think kind of to like wrap us up, if we could share or, or say, if you could like combine a couple different kinds of food into one and make a cool fusion like what would, what is, would is it guaranteed to taste good because like if you combined like i don't know I'm, I'm trying to think of something silly like pizza and fish it's just like uh but like is, is whatever we combine guaranteed to taste good because i, would th- oh, I would think not. no okay no. i was to say it's not that's not possible I, I anchovies are a thing but yeah no it's not possible i was gonna say anchovies are are real true Sure, they do put pizza and fish. That's gross. It's like pineapples and, uh, and pizza. It just doesn't doesn't belong. I'd say actually, if if we're well, this isn't pizza is such an easy punt, but I'm gonna take it. My my favorite my favorite meal uh, for uh, quick and easy Pete access for pizza, uh, which is an Italian dish, uh, is is barbecue barbecue chicken pizza. So. Call that, that what a South American. <laughs> I was no, just, I was just in the Rome. The pizza aspect is <laughs> the pizza aspect itself is Italian, whereas the barbecue chicken. What would you call that? Southern Southern food barbecue chicken. I mean, eh, barbecue. And like I said, it's, it's pretty much a punt. But uh, barbecue barbecue chicken bacon pizza is is my personal favorite. Uh, that that is a bit of a, a mix. Now it's not the fusion you were looking for by any means. Um, 
No, but no. that's that's a personal favorite. Now, if I wanted to get more exotic, if you're putting me on the spot, um, I would probably try and mix seafood with something. I really like calamari. I really like crab. Although I don't even know if I've ever had real crab. I'm pretty sure I've only ever had imitation crab because actual crab's expensive, I'm told. But um, I, I would yeah. go seafood. Um, is that is that count as a fusion? Can you give me some guidance here? Because uh, seafood well, is it like Asian seafood versus northeastern uh, American have to, seafood. You'd have to declare. Yeah, you'd have to declare what kind of seafood. Like, are you talking about like, the main lobster roll? Or are you talking about like, like any generic, like... They make seafood in Italian dishes. Like you have to pick a genre of seafood, I guess. Okay, sushi and which is uh, in what Asian, Japanese, Japanese, yeah, Chinese. I don't know. Um, maybe that's racist and call it that. No, I, I, I think I it's know. Japanese. It's okay, the sushi and uh, what kind of sushi do I want that would be really good or exotic? Um, we're sticking with barbecue. Uh, we're gonna go try barbecue sushi. We're gonna try, we're gonna try uh, uh, bar- baby back rib sushi. Ooh, I can see that. that actually, actually, sounds interesting. Put a nice little sauce on it. Yep. Not 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 a ton of barbecue sauce, but just the way sushi's cut up. I mean, you're gonna have to cut the cut the barbecue ribs. Uh, up in in the sushi style, you're gonna get some rice. You're gonna get some seaweed. You can throw in some celery for some crunch. Um, if it becomes a thing, you heard it here first. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I was thinking, kind of along the similar veins, uh, taking another staple food and combining it with another. Um, I like steak. I think steak's really good. But you know, you have your steak, and it's just like it's kind of what it is. Um, and I think it'd be really cool <laughs> to mix it with like a. A Thai curry, a little spice, a little like flavor to it. Oh, I think that'd be really good. Get a little sauce on your your classic steak. Exactly. I'm thinking more of the. I'm I'm thinking down the lines of like something hot and something cold that you wouldn't necessarily see mm-hmm. go together, but then you get the two little like sensations in your mouth. I mean, the obvious cold thing for me to pick is potentially like an ice cream. Do you go like an ice cream hot chocolate float? Maybe that might be okay. Um, that would otherwise, be interesting. right? Like, like vanilla ice cream some, inside of a hot, hot chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> and some like runny water, like runny milk, <laughs> some just cream, some chocolate flavored cream, uh, some lukewarm chocolate flavored yeah. cream. Okay, maybe something too too little more solids. Like, um, well, I like the hot cold, but go like hot sauce with something. Yeah, like, go with sauce on like uh, what's uh, what's those dipping dots or whatever. Like, uh, this oh, is, I okay. I will say. never have Dippin' Dots again. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Horrible. This is, this I, is I, a I, terrible thing. So, I, like, I remember when they first came out, they were actually really good. They, they tasted awesome. The last time I was at Six Flags, I was like, I need me some Dippin' Dots. I went and bought some Dippin' Dots, some overpriced Dippin' Dots. And number one, they had zero flavor. Number two, overpriced, obviously. And then number three, they, like, instantly melted into, like, a goo. And it was... It was the most terrible oh, experience ever. I will never have Dippin' Dots again. First world so that's, yeah, right. That's actually kind of nice. They now have Dippin' Dots cereal. I, I don't know if you guys have seen that. Hold on. What's what's what was your what was your fusion here? Did you have a final answer? It was, it was hot and cold. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess we were we were all kind of brainstorming there. But okay. I like your, I like your hot sauce idea with something cold. 
Hot sauce. Uh, yeah, Dippin' Dots is what came to mind as far as something that like has sauce that you would add, but it is cold. Um, I, I don't know what would be cold, um, served cold besides you know, ice cream and hot sauce. Um, An ice cream sandwich, maybe. You could put something That's, over it. <laughs> That sounds awful. But it, that, that's yeah, definitely something like you could sell to kids, for sure. With the chocolate. Yeah. All right, well, if you're not going to... Well, anyway, is there a final final result? Um, Hot sauce on... on... uh, um, uh, grilled cheese. I like it. Good. That might actually be decent. (laughs) Our idea fusion goes on everything. Is what we figured out is just taking American food and put something... Well, I guess... I guess sushi is not really American, but take an American type food or something we eat in America and just put it with some other ethnic food and call it a fusion. But I like it. I like it. All right. Excellent. So Uh, uh, with with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was episode nine of If I May. I hope you all enjoyed and we will see you next time.